Factors. Uh, our panel today, Glenn Munsey, Chris Roots and Michael Maxworthy. And I'll say good morning to Glenn Munsey to start with. And Glenn, well, this is a, one of those weird paradoxes, mate, because I'm sitting here in French's Forest and you're the one that's out and about now. Are you enjoying the, the, the sun of the Gold Coast? Well, good morning, Dave. Uh, good morning to Chris when he comes on, to Maxie and all the listeners. Uh, I am Dave. I came, drove up yesterday to uh, get ready for a very, very busy week here on the Gold Coast for Magic Millions Week. Of course, uh, we've got punters post-mortem today. The final fields come out for uh, the two- and three-year-old Magic Millions races today. We've already got the field out for the debut, and that market will go up today. So we'll okay. have three final field markets out today for a 10-race card on Saturday. All of the other races on Saturday already are open with Tab, all in betting on those and getting ready for a big, big week here. Always a huge week up on the Gold Coast for Magic Millions. Uh, the barrier draw tomorrow morning live from Surface Paradise Beach as it happens. And then the fields, of course, the rest of the fields will come out Wednesday as we get ready for Saturday racing. Ten races on Saturday. Uh, they haven't had ten races before and they've moved a couple of races away, a couple of brand new races. Of course, the debut we spoke about earlier, the yeah. Syndicate race. Um, they've just, you know, tinkered with the um, the program uh, on Magic Millions Day and uh, it's uh, an unbelievable concept, Dave, that has grown and grown and grown each and every year and it, and it keeps those horses, well, not alive, but keeps those horses the availability for this massive prize money on Saturday. I think it's 11 or $12 million uh, on Saturday alone. And you'll see horses that, you know, eight and nine years of age that were, it seems a long, long while ago, they were purchased at a Magic Million sale that can still go around for the big prize money on Saturday. We saw the Big Maiden on uh, last Saturday. Uh, won by Gerald Ryan and Silent Tsar. Britain Abdullah first of a double for Gerald. That's a $250,000 maiden. Yeah, that that uh, that was uh, extraordinary to see. And in, in hearing Sterling chat after the race uh, that it was, you know, um, part of a little plan they had and uh, obviously got the job done. Uh, Chris Roots is joining us as well from the uh, Sydney Morning Herald. Chris, good morning to you, mate. Um, we had that sort of... Well, I, I, can't, I guess you can't really call it a lull because we had uh, on Boxing Day and even on the uh, the New Year's break, we had those two-year-old races with a bit of flavour towards this race series. Um, but this sort of is the start of the year, isn't it? We get through millions and then suddenly we're talking autumn carnivals, aren't we? Good morning. Morning, morning, Dave. Morning, Munns. And morning to Maxie when he comes on. Um, just... Just feels like racing's 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 years about to start when you get to Magic Millions on the Gold Coast um, Saturday. Uh, sort of an entree, but in years to come, I think that Saturday meeting's going to be um, over overtaken by the Friday night before the Magic Millions. Like yesterday, another three million dollar slots race. It's a great time to be an owner in Australia and a great time to be going out and buying yearlings. Um, they'll tell you out at Magic Millions. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, Michael Maxworthy, who was a part of the Sky Thoroughbred Central coverage on the weekend, uh, joins us now. Maxie, good morning to you. Great to have you on Punters Postmortem. And I guess from an industry perspective, I mean, we talk about New South Wales racing a lot here on this program because it's absolutely flying. And uh, it's good to see that um, Queensland racing have, uh, have gone that way and Magic Millions are, are stepping up to the plate yeah absolutely dave it's, it's all about prize money increases um, pretty much uh well mostly east coast of australia it's hard to keep up with new south wales but we are slowly gradually getting there and we had that king of the mountain the other night and this all these slot races of course emanate from uh, the incredible success of the everest but 
Talking about the prize money and, uh, you know, the follow-up to Saturday's Cab Wave Stakes Day, uh, the main thing went when being on radio yesterday, um, talking to uh, a lot of the trainers, they're backing their horses up, provided they came through okay on Saturday, because that track was quite firm, but they're all wanting to back up their horses from Saturday within seven days to this week. They're basically saying the prize money's on. If the horses are fit and healthy and they're eating up, they will back up. And we'll see that with Tony Gollum's rising stars that won at the coast on Saturday, spiritualised and La Takia. He's going to continue to monitor them, but it's likely that they're going to line up in the guineas on Saturday. Okay, so there's a bit of news uh, for from Saturday. Just on the announcement, though, Maxie, just to comment before we get into reviewing what we saw at the races on Sky Thoroughbred Central and, and around the country on the weekend. So it'll be next year, obviously, just the Saturday, but then 2025, we will be racing Friday night and also Saturday. Yes, that's how I understand it. Uh, that news only released yesterday. Uh, so basically, um, you know, buyers of yearlings, um, you know, from Tuesday onwards, so they're going to be eligible to run in the Magic Millions next year for three million, an extra one mil, and of course the three-year-old race as well, the Guineas. So for these two-year-olds that are competing on Saturday, they'll be able to race in the Guineas next year, next year for an extra million. So yeah, they're going from two to three million, and then we'll worry about two, 2025 <laughs> when that comes around. But yeah, um, it's just going to be so exciting. The Gold Coast Turf Club. With all of these uh, renovations after Saturday, uh, the turf's going to be ripped up. They've been growing turf for quite some time. They're ready to unroll it and place it down. And uh, the track is going to be, well, it's going to have the same contours and same starting points as I understand it, fellas. But it's going to be cambered like uh, the Gold Coast Turf Club's been the way it is for so many years. One of the most raced on tracks in this country. And it deserves a full makeover. And that's finally going to happen after Saturday. Yeah, it's exciting. And just to Chris, I'll come to you here because obviously you've always got your ear to the ground, but I guess what this also creates as an outsider looking in, in that part of the world, is some healthy competition. Um, the Gold Coast, obviously, there's heavy investment in that part of the world, and I guess their friends up the M1 at the uh, Brisbane Racing Club would be keeping an eye on things, and I guess it's like anything. If you uh, put a show on somewhere else, you've got to continue to improve your show because uh, dollars are limited, and I think that'll be only good for the uh, the punter and the fan of racing in that part of the world. Yeah, the announcement yesterday, Queensland Government tipping in a, a bit more cash. I think they said there's $42 million worth of impact on the Gold Coast economy from Magic Millions Week. So that's a massive amount of money for one event to bring in. And it's over-expanding. They had the million-dollar show jumping yesterday, the polo that um, Munzee had to turn down because he couldn't make it up in time. So mm. um, that was unfortunate not to see him riding around. The, uh, again, again he's, he'd been practising, I know, for a while on the pony out the back of the Munzee estate. So, um, But... You'll um you'll find the 2024 looks like when the tracks going to reopen the Gold Coast and reopen with a bit of a bang. They're going to have another two year old race worth a million dollars in May to go working with the sales, the broodmare sales in May. So um, there's a, there's a, there's an ever expanding a range of races you can run in if you you are making millions millions bought. The other thing with the three million dollar slots race, it's for all three year olds over 1100 meters and. It might just encourage a couple of horses to come back a bit earlier, especially when you consider 
considered that some of the fillies have to get up and going early for the surround states, which is in the middle of February. Yeah, exactly right. So let's look at uh, racing on the weekend. And um, there's already a couple of texts here about this uh, horse uh, deficit, which, of course, won that tab wave. Uh, trained at Rose Hill. I'll come to you here, Munns. Um, gee, it was a good ride by Brendan Avdala. He was on the fence and he just found that clear air and uh, sort of gave Ryan Maloney and Ashgrove a little bit of a brush and then the horse did the rest. Yes, we'd seen deficit, of course, David. He's, you know, his last uh, couple of runs at Randwick, you know, plenty of people saw him. Well, even go back to his first up run on Gong Day at Kembla behind Tamerlane. He found the line well there. He found the line nicely at Rose Hill behind Cavalier Charles. He uh, didn't have a great deal of luck. Probably a little bit one-paced uh, when he stepped up to the mile third run back in the Colour Sergeant race. Um, he, he sort of was held, I thought, easily held. Uh, at his last start um, at Ramwick in the Mark Schnell race. But uh, uh, he went to that race on Saturday. He was always hard in the market. You know, when you consider he was only sort of a benchmark 78 horse uh, in Sydney, but uh, they're realistically just benchmark races anyway. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people that, that stuck faithful uh, to deficit were rewarded on Saturday. Uh, interesting to note, I think Maxi. The majority of his wins have come in Queensland. Yes, during the winter, Gerald wanted to get off some of those wet tracks in Sydney, so he brought him to Eagle Farm and he won back-to-back races over 1,800 metres. So he's had five wins from 19 starts deficit, and uh, I think four of them have been over the 1,800 metres, and he's been a real good money spinner for his connections. I think Gerald said they only paid 65000 for him, being by Schnitzel, um, but they knew that he was going to take a little bit of time and they gave him something like an extra nine months before they broke him in. And they're reaping the rewards now. He did pick up an extra bonus on Saturday, too, of $200,000 because he's been paid up for the Magic Million Series. So in bonuses um, and prize money in New South Wales and Queensland, in 19 starts, he's won almost $600,000. And Gerald said if he came through the run OK, he's going to um, accept for him in the sub-zero over 2,200 metres on Saturday. Okay, so, uh, and Chris, just on the uh, Ryan Alexo stable, they have been ticking over nicely of late, haven't they? It's just, it, it is, it, it comes down to these tracks, doesn't it? Yeah, and also, they're, um, they've done a great job. They they aim two horses at the race meeting on Saturday and they come away with the two big checks. So, I think Brendan Abdullah would be pretty happy. They rang him a month ago and Got it. Made sure he was on board with these two horses, and uh, it's um it's worked out very well for them. They've uh, they've um started the year very nicely. I spoke to Gerald and Sterling yesterday, and as Maxie said, the um Stayers Cup um Sub Zero race is is there for def- deficit, and they were quite happy with the way he come through. They they won't know for a couple of days. It'll probably be right up until acceptance time on Wednesday, just to check where he's at and things like that. But um. He's won at 1,800 and the step up to 2,200. Well, um, Sterling and, and Gerald are very confident he'll, he'll do it. And while he's in good form, especially on that track, um, racing up on speed might be a bit of a, a bit of a, um, advantage. Mm, exactly right. Um, you're on Punters Postmortem this morning with Glenn Munsey, Chris Roots and Michael Maxwell. We'll jump back to the Gold Coast shortly. We'll come to Sydney. And I'll get a comment from three of you. Gentlemen, you've been watching races a long, long time. We know how good he is. But again, uh, Munns, the performances on the weekend of N. Rowilla. Um, he's been the chat in the last couple of weeks. 
Obviously, uh, we know on Melbourne Radio there was a bit of an uh, opinion piece uh, about him and his, his style. And don't get me wrong, he, he can find himself in a steward's room. But, jeez, Exolatus was impressive in race four. He lifts Exolatus. And what about Frumos? Um, he gets every single inch out of these horses. Well, Dave, do you think connections of Broken Arrows are still getting over the fact that it didn't win at Kembla on Gong Day when Cuban Royale was given the photo? But I'm sure uh, those people that supported Saigon on Saturday are still trying to work out how Frumos possibly beat Saigon. Yes. Uh, when you consider Saigon, Tommy Berry just bided his time at the back of the field there. He was on the back of Nash coming to the turn. He said, well, I'll tell you what, this mightn't be going anywhere, Frumos, on the fence. You know what happened to it the last time it was buried on the fence at Rose Hill? So Tommy got on his bike, went around the field, came down the middle of the track. Nash waited and waited and waited, got the run uh, up inside the leader at probably about the 300-metre mark. But he just looked all over a winner, Saigon. You think, well, he'll go on with this here. And uh, there's Nash flailing away and giving Frumos the fright of its life and and I think only right on the post was probably the point where Frumos's head was in front. I think you can go before the line, you can go past the line, whatever, and right on that point of the line and it was there was absolutely nothing in it whatsoever. Uh, but Nash, uh, much to the cheers of the punters and much to the chagrin of those that were on Saigon. They put Frumos's number in the front. Yeah, what did, what did you make of, um, again, Nash, uh, Chris? I know we've spoken about him the last couple of weeks, but, um, geez, I, I just absolutely love the way in which he just gets the most out of these horses. Like, it's um, a little bit like um, art. Like, some people appreciate different sort of art. Some people want to see the classic, just a, portrait, a nice portrait. Nash wouldn't be your Mona Lisa. He'd be more of your Picasso. He... But it's just as effective and just as beautiful to watch when you're on a winner, isn't it? He's, um, he's, his style is, is, is to, to get the most out of the horse. And it might not, uh, it might not look, look pretty and it might not be technically correct to, to the eye of someone who's trying to be a technician. But, geez, it's effective. Like you saw on Saturday. The one thing about the photo on Saturday, if you go on the Twitter and have a look at the photo, look at the body position of Tommy and Nash when they hit the line. Nash is fully stretched out, throwing his horse at the line, and that might have been the difference between winning and losing. Tommy, Tommy's horse was just out of out of sequence coming to the post, and he couldn't get that final throw. Now, they're all very good at this, but and quite often you see but jockeys stretched right out, right over their necks, and that can make in a in a photo finish like that, it makes all the difference. And that was the difference on the weekend. Nash got it absolutely right on the post. It goes half a stride past the post, and Tommy's probably got it right. That's where that's where you get to, you you look at it and you go, well, um, he's made the difference. And punters like jockeys that make differences, and and that's that's why Nash is so popular, and and will continue to be popular. And if he could ride a little bit lighter, he'd he'd really be challenging for the premiership. Maxi, just a comment uh, on the great Enra Willie. You've seen him plenty of times when he comes to Queensland, yeah. uh, and uh, we've spoken about him at length, even off air. He's just—he is—he's uh, a champion. Yeah, he fits in anywhere, and he's uh, one of those jockeys um, that that backs his own judgment. You know, I, I think he he throws caution to the wind a fair bit. He obviously tries to carry out trainer instructions, but if he feels it's not going to work, he'll do something else and. Um, you know, we're all raving about his ride on the grand middle distance horse, Think It Over, on a number of occasions, in particular at his final start in the Queen Elizabeth back in April of last year. 
Yeah, I tell you what, if you want one jockey on your horse at the 200 that's struggling a little bit, which jockey do you want on? Um, you know, I'd go for Nash. Didn't Greg Radley Munns call it the ride of the century? I think he did. Um, think it over, I think he did. Uh, I'd have to go back and listen to the tape. Maybe Greg had a big fill-up that day on the, uh, <laughs> the account, maybe. But uh, yeah, they were wonderful scenes, of course. But uh, the, other, the other thing, with him, we all talk about the Think It Over ride, but remember the Kamantari ride where he went up the fence and uh, yes, made the fence yeah, back. That's right. Back. You, know, the, you know, last year, if you were the... If you talk to remember a couple of rides, you remember Nashville Willow rides. That's 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 how much of a difference he can make. You know, James McDonald makes a huge difference in things like that as well, and um, Tommy Berry and Kieran McAvoy and people like that. But you know, so often you remember these Nash's, Nash Nash rides because there's a bit of daring, there's a bit of um, there's a lot of strength. You know, that's what and that's what what you want when you when you've got your money on you want. Want to see the jockey at his absolute peak, and that's what you get with that. You certainly do. Give us a call on um, thirteen fifty three fifty three. Sorry, Glenn, you better chime oh, in. I was just going to say, Dave. I just got a call uh, off air there from uh, Corey Brown. Yes, and, and he said it's not the last little bit of the race that Nash is. Um, he, he looks as though he's more effective. He said he's a he's a he's a smart rider. Yeah, and he, he finds the right spot for his horses there. Now, who would have been game enough? knowing the fact that the last time Frumos was buried on the fence at Rose Hill, it never got out. Now, who would even have the consideration to be putting it and leaving it there on the fence when they came to the turn? He must have seen Festival Dancer. Um, he, he must have just observed it and, and took the odds to it wobbling enough on the turn to enable him to go up inside it. Now, there are plenty of times where you've seen uh, a horse that's, you know, fourth the fence, you know, they call it the coffin position at Canterbury, uh, behind the leader, that the the leaders don't shift at all. You know, when when it comes off, you're a genius. If it doesn't come off, well, you know, you you put on the stake or Joan of Arc. Mm. But uh, he, he must have seen something in Festival Dancer there to give him the impression that she wasn't going to be hard up against the fence or with the fact that, you know, the track was a soft seven upgraded from a, an eight during the day. Typically, jockeys get off the inside at Rose Hill in the straight. So he said, oh, I'm on a horse here that probably better with the sting out of the ground. I'm not concerned about being, if everyone thinks the hard up against the fence is inferior ground. Give us a call on 1350 Big thanks to Corey for listening. And, and nice little segue, we move, we move on, but we talk about jockey styles. I mean, Corey, to watch when he was riding, one of the most um, beautifully oh, balanced... don't start pumping his tyres up. Don't no, no, but beautifully... But, but, but I will say, too, it's a bit like, and we've only because we've been listening to it all weekend and they had plenty to talk about because there was no cricket, so there was a lot of uh, chatting amongst those commentators on Fox was... We talk about cricket styles. You see, um, you know, it's all effective. They're still getting runs, but the styles in which some some are more elegant than others, but at the end of the day, um, it just shows uh, what Dave, exactly... It's not- it's not just the style; it's the, the ability to put the horse in, and relax exactly. the horse. Exactly. And that's um, when you talk to John Thompson about about um, about Nash. He talks about the way he 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 gets them out of the barriers and gets them to relax mid race. He said, "So there's always horse there for him to use at the end." So he he says his horses he can see his horses travelling better when Nash is on them 
So he knows they've got a lot to lot to give in the straight, a lot more to give in the straight. So you know, it's the it's it's those one percenters getting out of the barriers, getting them to travel that allow Nash to have a little bit more than a lot of other jockeys in a finish. Um, we're going to move on to uh, Passage Yarda very soon. Maxi, just a question here because it's just come on the text line and we are talking obviously jocks and well, I guess everyone out there is always, you know, uh, we're not so much, well, we're all looking for an edge when it comes to the pump, but we've all got different formulas and uh, one punter here saying, hi guys, been watching the races closely in southeast Queensland. This Martin Harley, watched him ride last week, very patient and very top notch. We'll be following. Um a name that obviously we're seeing pop up. I think he's he went on a Bucks party. I think he went on Mark Zara's Bucks party to Bali or somewhere, Maxie, and met his fiancée who lived in Queensland, and now he's uh, a young Irishman and he's moved himself to Queensland and he's doing a lot of work with David Van Dyke. Is that right? Or uh, is he basing himself elsewhere? Or Well, he, he works 24-7. <laughs> he, he's a really nice fellow, nice uh, for an Irishman, quite quiet. When he's at the races, I don't know what he's like at the parties, but um, and he, he's very switched on, worldly wise. Of course, he made a name for himself when he moved to, to England, um, where he rode a winner of the Kingstand Stakes, uh, rode a couple of Group Ones, I think, in France. He rode Warning during the Carnival in Melbourne for Freebrands a few years ago, and I think that's where he met his uh, fiance, who's a Brisbane girl. So he settled here, but he has worked tirelessly for all of the trainers to get his name out there. And, you know, like everything, people like to sit back and wait, but they've now all cottoned onto him. And he's right up there with our better jockeys. I'd, I'd have uh, Orman out in front. Um, his work ethic is crazy as well. But um, this Irishman, Martin Hardy, is going to keep him honest, I think, over the next few years. Yeah, he Just watching him in a race, he's picked it up really quickly. We have a lot of tight-turning tracks here in Brisbane. Um, whereas, you know, in England, Ireland and France, they're much bigger, spacious tracks. So he's had to adapt to that, and it hasn't taken him long at all. Certainly I hasn't. Think he went to, I think he went to Gatton the other day, Max. He did. One ride and rode a winner there. He did. Yeah. Sharp and power for uh, Chris Munts, SP260. Thank you very much. Um, oh, so something goes for the <laughs> oh, Self-interest, the only interest. Self-interest. It's the only way. I can't remember where I put the car keys, but you can always remember what you're back to Gatton <laughs> last week. Um, let's go back to the Gold Coast because we saw J-Mac miss the first race, um, and he was meant to... Uh, he was meant to ride um, Wind Shadow. No, no, he wasn't meant to ride Wind Shadow. Uh, Avebury. Avebury um, for John O'Shea. But, uh, geez, race two, we see him arrive, and Royal Entrance was far too good there, wasn't it, Glenn? Yes, it was, Dave. Uh, it was a dr- dramatic shift in the market there. In the morning, Quasimodo and Royal Entrance, there was nothing between them. Uh, but Quasimodo, he, he was a savage drifter uh, by race time. Royal Entrance held its spot there at the top of the market. There was good support for Works, uh, the Annabelle Nisham runner there. There was a little bit of money for Lemiro, the bottom one. There was no love at all for Quasimodo. But Royal Entrance, I, 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 I was a bit concerned about the form of the Warwick Farm race, the, those horses that it, it had the start but barrier one uh maxi would you say it was an advantage to be on speed there on saturday no oh, there's absolutely no doubt about that glenn um there were a couple of storms on the gold coast late last week um and i sort of felt that there was going to be a little bit of give in the ground because that uh that track hasn't been recovering that well quickly you know after after the odd storm but 
it recovered very quickly in excess of 30 degrees there on Saturday, you know, sea breeze, the track firmed up. I know I think it was race number three, they went to a G3, but I think it was a good three throughout. Um, unfortunately, a number of horses didn't stretch out that well, and um, there were quite a few jockeys um, were questioned by the stewards as to why some of the horses may not have ran up to market expectations. Horses like um, XL Door, She's a Rogue, Alentia, Resonator, Sir Rocker, all those horses are well in the market. And the jockey said that they felt their horses felt the track a little bit there. So, yeah, when, it's, uh, when it gets to a good three anywhere, Glenn, you know, leaders, they keep running. They're very hard to run down. And that could be the case again this Saturday. Yeah, the, the weather forecast up here is uh, potential for rain, but not a great deal of rain. And considering, you know, they'd had, they had 16 mils of rain in that storm on Wednesday night. On Thursday, the track was rated a soft six. And I think Friday it was still rated soft. And, and you get to Saturday uh, and you're racing on a good three. And, you know, we talk about uh, the, the ability of tracks to, to bounce back. Well, you know, there's no track in Australia gets as much work as the Gold Coast. And uh, I'm sure Navesh would have been very, very happy with the, the way that it raced as in bouncing back from the, the rain on the Wednesday night. And he, he's going to be concerned about what happens Saturday. It'd be interesting to note, you know, see how much water they do pour into the track this week. Because, you know, if it, it got very, very firm there on Saturday. And, and then come this time next week, they'll be ripping it up. Yeah, and the good part about last Saturday, Glenn, was I think there was only one horse. Um, often at the coast, they want to get off the rails and there's not a lot of room and so often horses get badly held up in the straight. But the only one that I could see that was badly held up all day was I Am Lethal, so maybe another excuse for him. But, um, you know, we saw horses uh, lead on the rails, kick and win. So the inside part to the middle to the outer part appeared to be completely uniform, but... Yeah, and unless you're in the top three or four, it was very difficult. And I thought the run of the day had to go to the bopper, who's found a, yeah. a second lease on life. Uh, uh, guys, uh, Chris being ridden, ridden quietly these days. Yeah, no, it's but the in the in the break before that race with the horse um, running through the outside fence and going down for a swim in the canal. Um, Princess Luna, yeah, yeah, Princess Luna. I was yeah, that was Chris extraordinary, Luna. wasn't it? Yeah, well, what happened was Tegan Harrison got dropped coming out of the mounting yard. The horse just took off. Um, they couldn't run the race because if the horse had, horse had got out of the canal and run back onto the track, that was dangerous. So they brought them all back, and Chris Lees was standing there, and he uh, he was really worried about how the track was playing. And in the end, it took a horse breaking the 900-metre course record to beat the bopper. And I walked past Chris on the way back. He goes, I wonder if my horse broke 30 home. Because it was that far back, so I think it, I think it got it was definitely in the thirties. I haven't seen a sectional, uh, an individual sectional for it, but it was an amazing, amazing effort by the bopper, and maybe he's um he's he just needs that firm ground and um good speed. So uh, the biggest run of the day, I am lethal was very unlucky. He, he just he just got into a Brendan just got into a spot and couldn't 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 get out of it and get into the center of the track where. He's at his best, so he was probably unlucky. But the track didn't play leaderish. Talking to Lee Friedman, he said, until until Navesh got up here, no one wanted to be on the fence any at any of the meetings. And now the fence is on fire again at the at the um, Gold Coast. It just shows you what a genius um, Navesh is. One of the biggest losses to Sydney Racing in the last twenty years. He should, if he should, we should still have him at Railmeet. Because he 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 
he got that that track singing, and that's what he's going to do to the Gold Coast. And he's going to be the man who prepares the new Gold Coast circuit, and you'll know you know what you're going to get. You're going to get almost perfection. And just on that uh, track, there's a couple of texts here, uh, Glenn. That outside um, that outside uh, area. So you've got the the track, and then the, is it like a training track or a bit of a sand yeah, track? Because. Be- because they lost the inside yes. tracks at the Gold Coast so that's new, the isn't installation it? of the poly track. Uh, Dave, you'd be too young to remember, but uh, at Rose Hill many, 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 many years ago, they actually did exactly the same thing and put a um, poly track, track, inverted commas. It was called an equitrack. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Uh, it actually went on the outside fence at uh, right. Rose Hill too, uh, when you know there was work being done at Rose Hill. But that's the reason they put that down there. There was, um, you know, very big concerns when it first went down because it was actually reducing the width of the track at the Gold Coast. But yeah. and as Maxie will tell you, uh, for the majority of the meetings that were that were at the Gold Coast, it was a race to get to the outside fence. Yeah, it certainly was. Yeah. Do you remember, Glenn, you'd remember when Shane Dye went on to there to win a race on a heavy track? Race Hill, you would have been on yes, that. Yes, and, 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 and immediately stewards then made a rule that it was uh, you would be basically disqualified if you ran on the on that track again. Mm. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, speak. The, the sectional data is available for, um, for the, the Gold bopper. Coast. I'm just look, looking for the bopper here. Uh, I reckon he's gone about 30.7 from his last 600, about 30.7, because he was about six lengths off Archer's Paradox, you know, leader to winner. She ran 31.7. So he's got to have gone a 30.7, which is unheard of, isn't it? Oh, well, it it is. You know, some people would say, and most people would say, it's physically impossible. Um, for a horse to run that quickly. It sounds as though, you know, when you're clocking your own in the morning uh, and you tell everyone, you know, after it's just one uh, and, you, and you put your own on it, um, how brilliantly it worked on the, on the Tuesday went 25. morning at what times it ran. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, the, the, the thing with times too is um, if they break 10, they usually can't do it again. That's the thing. So, you know, breaking 11s even, you, you probably can do that for two sections, not, not numerous. Not anymore. All right. Um, uh, text on the text line here about Passagiata, who we were going to chat about before, guys. Race three at uh, Rose Hill on the weekend. Uh, Muns, I'll come to you because when we had the full field in, um, and we spoke about this in the punters panel before, scratchings and whatnot, this was probably the go of the day anywhere in the country. It was, Dave. Well, but even on Saturday morning, first markets went up on Saturday morning uh, when we were doing the preview here. It was $1.65. We wrote one bit of 10750 on it at $1.65. I'm sure that putter would be ecstatic when it got to $2.20 in the middle of the day. Um, and you talk about horses with speed. How quick, it will, uh, how quick did it get? Well, it nearly, it, well, it broke 11. Um, it, you know, the first early section there. And at that stage, the track was still a heavy eight. What did we make at the performance, Glenn? Oh, it's just, you know, just speed, natural speed, David. It, it, um, I'd say probably at about the 300 metre mark, if you're on Narito, and once again, a Nashua Willow ride here, Narito sort of just came out of the pack and you said, well, this is going to really test this horse here, but Narito was first up and the other horse, the Great Houdini, were both first up and, they, and they, you know, they chased along. Uh, but in saying that, the winner definitely found 
the, the last little bit. But just, you know, let fast horses be fast, Dave. And it'll be interesting to see how they, or if they even consider, you know, trying to harness her speed uh, to try and stretch her out. So she's had a run now at 1,000 and she's had a run at 1,100 metres. Um, and, you know, probably a little bit, go back, you know, one of Bjorn's that we saw, you know, uh, at the end of last year, Shades of Rose. You know, just yeah. just let her run along. Um, I, I spoke to Bjorn, Bjorn and his team there having a, having a roundtable meeting about finding their next passage yarder at um, Magic Moon just afternoon. And um, the consensus of the table, and there was about six or seven of them at the table, that she was gone at the 100th. Yes. And they were really worried that she was going to get beat, beaten. And um, she just found... And Bjorn made the, the point to me before the race. He said, on Tuesday... She worked like Shades of Rose, and he said, they just don't work like that and get beaten. Um, he said she probably didn't handle the wet track, and she's come out and been under the fine again. He said the, that was the most impressive thing, that she found another um, another gear late in the thing to hold a hold length margin. She wasn't just holding on. She went away again. So that was that was the most impressive thing about it, and he can't wait to get her on a, a firmer track to show off her real speed and what she can really do. I think you're... You might see a really fast horse once she gets on a firmer track. You're on uh, Punters Post, one of the sporting with Claire Munsey, Chris Roots and Michael Maxworthy. I'll jump back up to the Magic Millions Rising Stars, three- and four-year-old Colts here, and spiritualised, Maxie, uh, for Tony Gollan. Uh, this, of course, horse came out of that goal edition where there are obviously some excuses, and before that uh, at Doombin behind lubrication, but... Uh, just up on speed, and James Orman got the job done. And, gee, a good run, too, from Mob Star from well back. Yes, uh, spiritualised, had to bounce back. They, they say possibly choked down. They went over him uh, with a fine-tooth comb. They couldn't really find anything. They, I think they were basically going on what Orman felt. He, he felt that something was wrong and that the horse, in his opinion, choked down. So um, they gave him a jump out on Tuesday. And he ran second in the jump out, but Orman was swinging off him. And it was Scalopini, who's a, a stakes winner, that sort of beat him and had to be ridden right out. So the signs were there that he'd come back. And he was able to establish the lead. Um, Resonator was uh, well backed. And I think James McDonald obviously did his speed map. And he, he let Spiritualize go, but Resonator was right behind him. Resonator came off the bit at the top of the straight. Maybe the quick backup didn't suit him, but... Spiritualized was able to, to really kick strongly and go on with it, and we're likely to see him in the Guineas on Saturday. You're right about the runner-up, Mobstar, talking about horses unable to come from well back. He, he was last. He cut the corner, and he finished best of the rest. West of Africa was quite good. He settled midfield fence. He finished well. Resonator was disappointing, and, and as uh, uh, Chris mentioned, uh, I am lethal, no clear running in the home straight. So certainly... Uh, Good to see this cult back in the winners list spiritualised. Was a good win, wasn't it, uh, Glenn? Yeah, it was, Dave, and he was, he was hard in the market, so punters were very, very forgiving uh, of that failure at Eagle Farm. And, uh, with the, you know, they were uh, very, very um, informative of the fact that, the, you know, James Orman had said that he thought it had choked down. If you look at its previous form... Um, it had had, you know, seven starts for three wins, three seconds and a third. It had had one run back. It had been hard in the market, if not favourite, basically every run it's had in its life. I was probably a little surprised Resonator was as short as it was, Dave. Uh, I think that was definitely the J-Mac factor that made it as short as it was when you're considering, um, 
you know, it's uh, run at Wyong. It missed the start, but it was a $6 chance that day. It was a 20 to 1 chance the other day uh, in just a, a three-year-old benchmark 72. So uh, considering, you know, it was as short as it was, um, was just a little bit surprising to me. Glenn, um, uh, just on uh, text here, was there any... Um was there any money around for Wealthy Investor, who I thought ran a really good race for Damien Lane and Jim Byrne? No, it was sort of hovered around the 50 to 1 mark, Dave, but um, it did run a very, very good race uh, there for, from the inside alley. It just kept sort of sneaking away uh, there in the race, and uh, it was first up in that race on Saturday. It had, uh, well, uh, its its overall form as all early in its preparation. So it had had 11 starts, two wins and two thirds. Well, both the wins and both the thirds had come first and second up. So it may be just a very, very, you know, good, fresh horse. Um, and his he campaign, last campaign, sort of tapered off after winning his first two runs back at Wyong and Hawkesbury. So um, Damien probably just thought, you know, it's a good chance in a, in a race there to throw him in first up and come up with barrier one and um, got them a, a handy return. Um, I'll come to you here, Chris, because I know this is a filly that we've spoken about before. Um, Jean Quera, uh, who was, I thought, very impressive for John O'Shane, James McDonald. Yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it? When it ju- jumped and was outside the lead, you, you were sort of sort of going, well, can it can it do it from there? Well, can it what? One, just run a tick over 108. John O'Shea's next target's the light finger stakes with it. Okay. James McDonald was very impressed with it. He was. Um, he said it's a really nice filly going places. Um, isn't that filly series setting up in in a, in a month or so's time going to be a fascinating um Group, we're going to have all those good fillies from the from from the spring. You've got In Secret, you've got Zugotchi, you've you've got She's Extreme. Um, you can go through a, a lot of them. They they look like they're a really good bunch, and um, it's going to be interesting to see who who comes out in top. And I think they're always aiming at that one race, the surround states, where they get the chance to run for for that big um, prize of a Group One. And I see, speaking of another filly here, uh, Maxie, um, Alenta, um, who, look, is off spelling, I see, on Riser and was just a bit tardy away and maybe she'd just come to the end of it, this prep. Yes, um, noticeably at the start, she, she missed the kick. Um, she did get up into a handy enough position, but still you've got to use, use a bit of gas to get there and she never really looked likely in the run, not like the first two starts where she dominated. I know they were much easier midweek grade, but she ran great time and she was really impressive. But sometimes, you know, um, these horses having their first preparation, you don't know when it's going to end. And I think she's probably had enough. Uh, Lata was able to win it. Like, um, uh, like spiritualized, she'd failed as well and had to bounce back. And Tony Gollan knew that she was better than, than what happened at her second race start. And I thought her effort was quite good to take out the Phillies and Mares rising star because when you watch the race, she was handy enough. She settled third, but she was always sort of, you know, off the bit a little bit, noticeably first to come off the bit at the top of the straight. Um, and Chris, when, when horses do that, they really find, they usually sort of go backwards, but she, um, she came off the bit first of all, and she was strongest late. I thought it was a, a good performance by that filly, and I know a trainer's got a big rap on her. Yeah, it was, uh, she was really strong late. Like, when Belarus got to the front, you thought, well, this is over, and 
I, I was really surprised at the betting in this. I, I, I could not get the favourite as short as she got to. She got to a dollar sixty-five, and she was two starts ago. She started five dollars fifty or five dollars sixty sixty in a maiden, a midweek maiden. She was taking on horses that had been the were stakes horses, and and just it didn't make sense to me. But um, um, I was on Belarus. I thought it was home, um, but the winner, like Quinto, come over the top of it. So it was it was a good win. Certainly was. Uh, speaking of good wins, Muns, and it's one of those horses that you just seem to always get a good price. Uh, Titanium Power, again, at Rose Hill, out in front, and can't be caught. Well, Joey Pride went to his gun-for-hire rider on Saturday. Well, he seems to be the gun-for-hire for Joe anyway in Glenn Schofield. He's had enormous success with Cole Crusher, uh, Taksu. Uh, Glenn's ridden for that. Um, Rory Hutching. Glenn had ridden Titanium Power in the past, but um, oh, well, as soon as he jumped and dictated Dave, uh, that was nearly the end of the section. Um, Noble Soldier was a very, very good get effort in the rank considering he was working the whole race he made sort of half a dash but it was a little bit similar to La Passagiata he, you know you probably had half a concern at a, probably the 250 metre mark and at the 200 metre mark you knew you were home uh, with Titanium Power now he's bounced back um, Joe said in the post-race interview well he won first up where he beat Samut at uh, Randwick then went to the Coal Crusher race well Coal Crusher sort of uh, sat up on his outside at Newcastle and probably drove him into the ground Joe said he lost a shoe that day and then he's picked up cardiac arrhythmia uh, in the Cavalier Charles race. He, he trialled during the week. Uh, he's now won six races of his eight career wins have been on soft tracks. Yeah, it um, just gets out in front routes. Yeah, it's, uh, um, isn't Glenn Schofield probably one of the more underutilised jockeys in Sydney at the moment? He, he When he gets his chances on the right horse, he... He makes the most of them and, and shows he's still got it. And um, it'll be interesting to see see him more regularly in Sydney. He's, I know he's struggling to get rides, but Joe, Joe Pride's one who hasn't missed him. And when he needs needs one ridden and um, rated really well, he got, he turns the Glen and Glen gets the job done. You're on Punters Postmortem uh, with Glenn Munsey, Chris Roots and Michael Maxwell. They're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to continue to look at to the racing from the weekend and we'll look ahead to Saturday. The Southern Hemisphere's best yearlings on Australia's holiday playground. The 2023 Magic Millions Gold Coast Yearling Sale, January 10 to 16. It's the sale where the smart buyers shop for superstars. Graduates include Spring Carnival stars Cool and Gatter, Alligator Blood, Madame Pomery, Jackano, Ellsberg, Manzois, In Secret, and Hong Kong champion Golden 60. The Gold Coast Yearling Sale offers the cream of the Australasian yearling crop. See the catalogue at magicmillions.com.au. The only place to catch the very best equine superstars from around the globe, first time, every time, is right here. Live and exclusive across the Sky Racing Network. Since 2018, 36 Group 1 winners could have been bought for $100,000 or less at an English sale. That's 44% more than the nearest Australian auction house. Where will you be in 2023? Classic catalogue available now at english.com.au. Always thought owning a racehorse was too expensive? It doesn't have to be. Patriot Bloodstock offers racehorse shares for Sydneycation at an affordable entry-level price point with fixed-price training fees. Our horses are country trained, and whether your horse wins at Wagga or Ramwick, the thrill is the same. 
We've had great success sourcing quality horses that won't send you broke, and we love first-time owners. Check out what's available at www.patriotbloodstock.com.au. Patriot Bloodstock, an authorised representative of Stable Connect. AF licence number 33696. Light up your Friday and celebrate Lunar New Year trackside. Enjoy night racing, bands, pop-up food markets and bars, along with a lion dance performance and God of Wealth. Entry is free. Kia Friday Night Racing, January 20, Canterbury Park. Find out more at theracers.com.au. You're listening to Sky Sports Radio and Punters Postmortem. Yeah, you most certainly are. Hopefully you're enjoying your Monday morning wherever you're listening around New South Wales via our radio network or you might be listening via the Tab app across the country. We've got a few listeners up there on the Gold Coast listening via their Tab app. Good morning to you. We'll see you, of course, later this week. Uh, Racing HQ live there on Friday and also Thursday from the sales complex. And I think our sister station uh, for Tab will also be there, Stephen Hewlett. So uh, looking forward to being a part of the uh, the action up there and also seeing how this sale kicks off uh, tomorrow. And we'll have a standard Racing HQ here from 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. That coverage on Saturday... Uh, Glenn, I know you'll be a part of. It's going to be um, well. It's going to be a big sky racing coverage on Sky Thoroughbred Central. There are a number of the the toys being used. I guess you can call them on Saturday with the side views and choppers and drones and slow mo cameras. So it'll all be on display, won't it? Um, and I think, off memory, I'm fairly sure that this meeting is always significant for um, Sky Thoroughbred Central. It was used to call be called Sky Racing World because I. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Magic Millions was one of the first ever showcase meetings on Sky Racing World with David Rafael many, many years ago when it, when it started, that channel. Yeah, well, it is a cast of thousands. Maxie will be there Saturday. Bernie will be steering the ship for us on Saturday. Bernie will be the host. Maxie and Duff will be our form experts. Uh, we'll have uh, Ali will be on the pony. Uh, she'll be conducting the post-race interviews there on the Pony. Um, uh, I'll be there doing the markets, not only on the Gold Coast, but also the Sydney meeting and the New South Wales Provincial meeting. Mm-hmm. And I think, Maxie, I think uh, Kian was at the barriers. That was a new innovation on Saturday. Kian at the barriers. And uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's a chock-a-block coverage, Maxie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think they're going to be catering for well in excess of 20,000 people. Steve Lyons was telling me on Saturday, all down the home straight section, right to the the, the twenty four hundred metres start, wow. they're going to they're going to have marquees, and of course they've got the, the introduction of this new uh, race that you guys were talking about earlier, uh, the syndicate. They've got so many syndi- syndication um, marquees that are going to go right, uh, you know, the length and breadth of uh, any area at all um, out front of the grandstand there, and right up to the four hundred metre point. There's going to be full of marquees housing a lot of those micro owners and whatever, as you know, um, they, they bring along two friends. It's going to be a marvellous atmosphere. The weather looks like it's going to be okay, not too much in the way of showers, uh, partly cloudy basically for the rest of the week at the Gold Coast. So it is going to be a big day. It's uh, Glenn, getting there and getting home is going to be the problem. Yes. You got a spare seat, oh, Maxie? Maxie, it's <laughs> never, never ever a sweat getting there, Maxie. Getting home is a, is a lot more difficult. Um, I remember in that new area that they'll create there on, on Saturday at the top of the straight, which will be called the Princess Lunar Lounge uh, <laughs> after Saturday's <laughs> effort. Uh, and for those people, that is that bridge that you saw Princess Lunar going under uh, is the bridge at the basically 
parallel to the top of the straight at the Gold Coast, which goes over the creek for you to get out of the, the race precinct there um, up to Bundle Way. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot more harrowing getting out of uh, Magic Man's Day than it is getting in. I, I must admit, uh, I did the radio from there last year because um, we had Richard Haynes, uh, the host of Saturday Racing HQ, was doing um, the radio from a hotel room. Uh, so he was crook. He had COVID. That's right. Uh, he, he had the the spicy cough, and he couldn't he couldn't leave the Gold Coast to go back to Sydney. So he, right. he had to do the radio. And I said, "Well, I'll go to the race course." And I took all my radio equipment and did uh, my part from the broadcast box uh, at, at um, the track, as I had done in many many years previously with with Ben's. Well, I got to the races. I got to the race course at five thirty in the morning, Queensland time, and there were two blokes standing at the gate that had just left the Cassie, uh, and they wanted to be first in the gate. <laughs> they wanted to be first in. in the morning. Did they, they have pockets full fulls ones and ready to launch into they, the first favourite? They did um, send me a message at the end of the day that they had one. I said, well, you know, what are you doing now? It's straight back to the Cassie. Yeah, uh, outstanding. You do. That's exactly right. No, it's, it's always it's, it's good fun up there, and uh, gee, that's a lot of people. I've, I'm looking forward. I've been to a Magic Millions on track for numerous years, and I'm, I'm going to be on track this year. Um, and well, they've broken a little yeah. bit of a tradition, Dave. By yesterday, there's usually an announcement here, uh, Magic Millions, regarding. Uh, Jerry usually says, I'm threatening to take the meeting away from the Gold Coast because the facilities aren't good enough and there's talk with the government of building a track in a different spot at the Gold Coast. How many times have we read that release, Max? Yeah. I'm told there's more announcements to come this more. week too. You, I think you'll find there'll be one, maybe one, maybe two more announcements from Racing Queensland about about around, around I don't know if it's prize money, but around... The, Round meetings in Queensland, so it'll be be interesting. It's sort of a watch this space. Now, Munns, you sure those two blokes' names weren't Luke and Dave that you met at the gate? Oh no, 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 no! Because they had to wait for the gates to open. If they were Luke and Dave, they'd just tell the bloke, "Listen, don't you know who I am?" And we know Glenn Munsey. No, I just say we know Glenn Munsey. Yeah, we I, know Glenn Munsey. I would have just said these blokes. They, well, I would have made you carry my bag in, Dave. Hundred percent. And said, you know, they're my valets. Uh, what I what I love too, boys, about that story from Glenn is he always ties it back to how much he's working. See, the the the, the crux of the story was the two blokes that got there, but he was there at five thirty. Just remember that. And what time are you getting there this Saturday, Glenn? Well, I'll be just waking up at the star at the buffet breakfast what time will you be on air saturday glenn uh we'll we'll be on air at uh, seven o'clock dave perfect uh, but uh and i'll i'll be doing it from the comforts of my room this ah week. beautiful all right uh, and yeah. make sure to I've got a very very important task dave i've got to get duff to the races so, well yes well um, that is very yes. important and make sure too um we mentioned richard haynes he's on the gold coast and i know sky racing active have a um, there's going to be a number of uh, interviews coming through via Sky Racing Active, Sky Racing Two. Possibly you may see some of those. I know they'll be all over the socials. But Hainsy, of course, he'll be doing his best to bring us all the sales side of things and the breeding side of things um, with his expertise throughout the week. And we'll also talk with Richard later in the week as well on uh, Racing HQ. So just looking forward to seeing how it goes. I know we talk a lot. Uh, well, we we do talk a lot about New South Wales on this, and it, it will be interesting, Chris, to see how um, this sale does go. Because away from our, our our bubble of racing, every time you jump onto a News Limited uh, website or it might be a a Nine Papers website, uh, there's chat about recessions and economy and this and that. And 
But the racing bubble, it seems to just be its own little ecosystem and be quite all right. I think what you'll find, Dave, and sort of walked around yesterday at Magic's and started talking to a few people, the top end will will stay fairly strong because of the amount of syndicates there are looking for those big colts and things like that. And you've now got a, got a few people who have decided, well, we can't afford the best colts, so they've started buying the best fillies. As you see, the Valerie Syndicate from Gay Waterhouse, they've got um, Platinum Jubilee in, in their Magic Mans this year. They went, they, they decided to, to target fillies. So now you've got cult syndicates, you've got filly syndicates. So that, that high quality, good page, right confirmation horse, ready to run early, they'll, they'll find their mark. Now, what's going to fall through the, through the cracks? Usually at this sale, horses with, um, staying blood fall through the cracks a little bit traditionally, but, um, I think there's plenty of money around and, you know, everyone's looking, talking positively about um, a lot of the book, books and what's there. So um, I sat with um, Francis Cook yesterday afternoon. If he had if he had his um, his iPad in front of him and about 4,000 horses marked, it seemed to me. So we're just talking through what, what they were going, what they were looking at. And, you know, he... He was he was he was scratching and said trying to work out which ones to knock off the list rather than put yeah. on it. And what's also happened in the last few years, David, these sales is the the big players instead of bidding against each other, they've joined forces and spreading their their risk or whatever you'd like to say. And instead of got their eyes on two or three, they're going in um, big syndicates like Steve Grant's syndicate there and the China Horse Club and those that are um, looking for these cults. And they've had a, a good bit of success this year with a few runners in the Magic Millions. That they might walk away with eight, whereas they only had their eyes on one or two. And if they miss that, they'd be disappointed. So they're, they're spreading their risk out a little bit more. And at the end of this sale, you, you dust yourself off and you get ready because then you've got the English Classic sale, which is the uh, in the first week of February. So those people that have missed out uh, at the Magic Millions, well, their next, their next look is the Classic sale um, at, at Inglis's in, in, in a much, much cheaper band of horses there. Um, for those people that uh, are looking, and you know, I think there's, I think there's maybe twelve hundred or something horses go through here because the, they've actually um, the sales now start here on a Tuesday. They used to start on a Wednesday, and they go through on there's book one and there's book two. So you know, there's a, a huge number of opportunities for for people to buy uh, a yearling first first sale of the year, and then, as I said, they, they've got the English opportunity in the first week of February. The Steve Grant syndicates, the Newgate syndicate that um, Henry Field puts together, and I think they bought eight to ten horses here last year, and they got three in the mar- three in the Magic Millions, and two of them are, are at the top of the market in Empire of Japan and um, Sovereign Fund, and then they got all all entrants in on Saturday. So you know they're having they're, they're looking forward to a great day, and hopefully they'll be having a bit extra to spend on Saturday night. Exactly right. Uh, now, uh, let's uh, have a look uh, just before we get to uh, your horses to follow for the weekend. We get to our two previews for, of course, uh, Dubbo and Taree just on Saturday. So we've got this uh, debut mar- or debut race, I should say. Um, we've got the field for that, Getty, Marching, etc., all the first starters, and uh, we'll have more information coming through. What's going to happen with these markets, Glenn? Do you know of the times in which they'll be opening? 
Well, Dave, they did tell me that it would open today, and I'm actually looking at the market as they sp- uh, as we speak now. The, the horses are actually priced up, so the market is there. Um, whether or not they just want another look at it, I know they didn't want to open it uh, over the uh, weekend. Um, the field came out. I think it came out uh, early last week, but they were more concerned with the fact, you know, with aid emergencies and people that, um, you know, didn't think they'd get a run. Uh, they'd have their horse down possibly to run, run on Saturday. Uh, I know, you know, all eyes are on Steel City here, uh, which is the third emergency for Kieran Murray and David Eustace. And I, and I, I think I, uh, and I'm sure I did read or hear that it'll be nominated for Sydney on Saturday as well, uh, because it's the it's the third emergency in the debut on Saturday. But um, you know you've got Getty there for for the Snowdens. It, it'll be it'll be the favourite probably with marching and rush hour. But Steel City will be right in there. Please don't. Uh, I, I'm still trying to work out how Steel City is a twenty-one dollar chance in the Magic Millions. Yeah. As much hope uh, as getting the, the Magic the, Millions field as I have becoming an astronaut. The thing with this uh, this race, Glenn, as you mentioned there, is that this field was drawn up a week ago. Like, these are two-year-olds, and, you know, you've got them one day and not the next. So I can see why you're reluctant to put up a market with all these emergencies. But um, a lot of the jockeys haven't gone down as yet, so it's a little bit of a waiting game. And the first emergency for the debut... Uh, Lemiro was unplaced on Saturday and it's drawn 18. Yeah, well, it now Saturday. becomes ineligible. It's oh, out. Of course, yeah. Okay, so it, it's out. It's so, ineligible. Right, yeah. okay. Well, they had that problem with the Country Cup, didn't they? They, they? they didn't bet the entries and Tab put up on the market and there was eight horses that weren't, weren't eligible for the race. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see whether that Steel City does get a run. You would think, given that, you know, they took these acceptances last week. There would still be a chance. We've lost Lamira, so she now becomes the second emergency. I'm just going through the form now, and it's interesting, guys, that um, because of the conditions of this race where, you know, trial winners get preference, they're actually running some of the trials like races. I've been taken with Rush Hour, Nathan Doyle's yes. um, cult. He's been going really well, that horse, and he's drawn nicely. The, the, the thing with this race, and it's probably going to, develop over a few years i think they're going to have to run certain sets of trials for these horses rather than run trials and just say if you win a trial you get in because i can see a lot more horses wanting to get into this race but if you run them against each other at least you get get the they they're they're it's what what it is the the well the the, the melbourne trainers for example were 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 complaining of the fact because they don't have the number of registered Barrier and they had to be, they couldn't they hide them. They, they couldn't dispatched. hide them this time, Glenn. Yeah. Is that what they were complaining yeah. about? They couldn't. Yeah, but they, but they can't. Yeah. It's got to be a they, metropolitan trial. So, a lot of tra- There's a couple of trainers who didn't actually read the read the, read the um, rules very well, and they went to Hawkesbury and, and and qualified them there, thinking they were very smart, and then realised they had to go for a second trial and had to go to uh, Warwick Farm and Rose Hill. And you know, you've seen seen a couple of trials where they they put ten lengths on horses because these horses are so desperate. To win to get a get a spot in this race, as you would be with five hundred thousand on the line. The program ahead, boys. So we've got the two-year-old classic, of course. We've got the three-year-old guineas, the Magic Millions Cup, uh, the um, the one million dollar Sub Zero, the Phillies and Mares. We've got the uh, uh, the Cutis Open for the thirteen hundred, uh, the Snippets. 
the syndicate uh, for the three-year-olds and ups, uh, the country cup, and, of course, that debut two-year-old plate. That's just at the Gold Coast. And on Saturday, of course, in Sydney town, we are racing at uh, Rose Hill Gardens where we've got uh, you know your standard benchmark racing for 150000 right through the board and uh, the highways and the midways, etc. So that's going to be a good complement to, to what we see up there at the Gold Coast. Now, provincial meeting, of course, at Kembla Grange on Saturday. Some horses to follow, gents, before we wrap it up. But what uh, what caught your eye this weekend, Glenn? Uh, Dave, I'm going to uh, I'm actually going to look at one at the Gold Coast. I'll get Maxie's uh, thoughts a little bit later. But Wild Calm, uh, who was a, a little filly for Annabelle Neesham, had a first start in the maiden there for 12 months on Saturday. She'd had two starts as a two-year-old in the gym crack and an open two-year-old back in October of 21 and then uh, January of 22. Um, big, big effort. Uh, for a horse to try and win a race like that first go for 12 months. I thought she boxed on a right. She's got a little bit of a problem at the barriers. And uh, one for Chris Waller, which uh, was, it was a Nashville will ride there on Saturday. And I'll go back to it, Dave. And it was uh, first... Um First light in race nine. He was second up in that race there. I think he's sort of ticking along all right. He's had two runs back from a spell. This is his second preparation in Australia, and he's got his foot right on the till. Sensational. All right, uh, let's have a quick look at your horses to follow, Maxi. Yeah, well, that um, wild calm did interest me, Glenn, in that first race, uh, the big maiden, because her two runs in defeat a year ago were sensational. I don't know what the issue was with her, but... Um, yeah, it was a bit of a task. First up, 1,200 metres off just one, you know, one barrier trial. But clearly she's got loads of ability if they can keep her right while calm. I think you're on the right track there. The one that really impressed me out of last Saturday was John O'Shea's filly, which we touched on earlier. Dave uh, Junquira. Mm. Um, she's got any amount of ability. And, uh, you know, when, when, we, when she jumped, I thought she'd be trading at about $1.20 because... James didn't move on her out of the gate. She jumped on her own accord, something that she hadn't done in any barrier trial or, or race so far. So she hopefully has conquered, you know, being comfortable in the gates and jumping well. And he just sat, sat like a statue on her. She travelled beautifully. And it was just a matter of, you know, when he was going to give her a little bit more leather. So I'm looking forward to see her match up against the better fillies in that series coming up during the autumn. And your horses to follow, Chris Roots. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I was taken with Ashgrave. I thought it was a really good run. I think it, um, probably not now. We might see him him later on and towards the Winter Carnival. And Jill Kuira, I really think it's going to be a horse we can follow right through. They're talking light finger stakes next with it. Um, if it can show it's up to that, well, if they think it's up to that, if it runs before that race, you want to be on it no matter what price it is. And I think um, they're the two for me. Okay, sensational. And um, boys, look forward to this week unfolding. It's going to be great to, to have you a part of the coverage. Glenn, of course, yeah. you're already up there on the Gold Coast, so no doubt to any news, you'll be uh, ear to the ground. Maxi, same with you. And Chris, looking forward to seeing all three of you later this week. Yep, um, they'll all be at the beach nice and early tomorrow morning, those on the coast day for the... Uh, yeah, what the time? I think um, just after 6 a.m. they're going to have, you know, they have the uh, the horse races, and I think the Herobian is going to be there, the retired, um, well, country champ. I know he did so well under Edmonds at the Gold Coast, but he, 
he just had an incredible following. Probably his best performance was in defeat in an all-star mile. And I think Luke Dippman's going to be riding him in those beach gallops at Surface Paradise at the barrier draw tomorrow morning. Okay. And what time is the actual barrier draw, guys? Uh, it is on to... Is it 10 o'clock Queensland time? Is it 10 o'clock Queensland uh, time? I, 10 o'clock. Yeah, I think it's nine, usually 9 o'clock Queensland time. Okay, which will be 10 o'clock our time. So we'll wait and confirm that because we're going to hope to bring you that barrier draw live on uh, Sky Sports Radio tomorrow. We'll take the uh, the coverage from Sky Thoroughbred Central. So we'll get the timings done and dusted there. But um, we'll see what uh, what the schedule's like for uh, for that. Um, so it'll either be 9 o'clock Queensland time, which is 10 o'clock here in New South Wales, or uh, 10 o'clock Queensland time, 11 o'clock here Hang in on, New Dave, South I'll Wales. I'll tell you, I've got, the, I've got the day sheet for Tuesday here. And it is telling me that the barrier draw is 9.45am to 10.45am Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Okay, so that will be uh, 9.45. 45 so 9.45 here. So 9.45 in New South Wales. Fantastic. All right, well, we'll try and bring you that uh, live tomorrow morning as much as we can on Sky Sports Radio. Have a great day, gents, and see you later this week. Okay, see you guys. Stay hydrated, Dave, when you get here. Yes, plenty of H2O. Don't worry about that. Uh, I'll be there later this week, Glenn. Looking forward to it. Uh, And it's 12 past 10. Two meetings in New South Wales today. Dubbo and Taree will head to those previews next.